Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode two of The Mead Feed. Thank you for such a sweet and supportive response to the podcast. I could not have asked for anything more. It's so, it means so much whenever you put your heart out there, put your soul out there and and it's received with love and compassion and support. So thank you so much. And if this is your first time joining me, Hi, my name is Whitney Mead. I am a Christian author and YouTuber and social media personality. I don't really know how else to describe what I do, but my husband and I have a plethora of businesses. We have a radio station in Florence, South Carolina that plays the best in Christian pop and rock. We have a video production company called Mead Agency, and we work with mainly large businesses doing video production for them. And then I've got my own like ministry thing going on. So thanks for being here. Today's topic is 9-11. It is September 2nd, the day that I'm recording this right now, Thursday, September 2nd, and we are coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I was spending some time this morning... Um, listening to one of my favorite prophetic voices that I listen to, Amanda Grace. If you have not ever checked out Amanda Grace on YouTube, you have got to go check her out. She is a total powerhouse. Um, I was just listening to her latest prophetic word and the Lord just dropped on me that I needed to come on the podcast and share my 9-11 research with you. Uh, If you have followed me on Instagram, you will know that about three or four months ago, I put together a series called Red Pill Blitz. And if you know what a red pill is, you have probably seen The Matrix. You know, in in The Matrix, um, Neo is presented with the opportunity to take the blue pill or the red pill. And if he takes the blue pill, he stays in The Matrix and continues to live his life in fakeness. And then if he takes the red pill, the matrix goes away and he gets to see what it's really like and what their actual truth is. And so one of the things that I have attempted to do, uh, as a, you know, with the platform God's given me is to educate people on my research. I love to research. Um, whenever I have a question about something, I just dive in and get as much information as I can. And with 9-11, I've had big question marks. You know, I was 14, maybe 13, yeah, 14 when 9-11 happened and, or 15, 15 years old because it's 20 years. So 15 when 9-11 happened, I was at in high school and like many of you were in school and we watched it on television and then the YouTube videos started coming out within the months after that and, um, over the past 20 years, there's been a lot of research done about what really happened on September 11th. So I put together this red pill blitz and today I'm just going to take you through it. I'm going to pray for us as we go into this, because this is very sensitive information. Uh, All of us have been affected by 9-11 in some way, some people more than others. Some of you will have lost loved ones in these attacks. And I want you to know that I'm coming to you from the from the purest place that I can. I'm coming to coming into this with a heart of love and a desire for the truth to be told because truth is what sets us free. 
and we are in a battle right now. Our, our world is battling. It is an, a battle of good versus evil. And evil reigned on September 11th, and it wasn't just those people who flew those planes into those towers and into the Pentagon. There was, there was a larger plan. So if that is you, if you were someone who was directly impacted, I mean, like lost a loved one, please know that my heart in sharing this information is coming from the purest place possible. So let's pray together and, um, and then we'll dive into it. Father God, I ask that you would anoint these words today, that only the truth would come forth, that you would put a guard over my lips for anything you do not want told, and that uh, you would prepare the hearts of all the listeners that as we digest this information and you begin to reveal to us the truth, because you know all of the truth, that as we start to put these puzzle pieces together, that your spirit would guide us and give us discernment and wisdom, and that we would use this information for the good of our world so that your kingdom can come to earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to start with the most important thing for you to understand. 9-11 was what we would call a deep state inside job. It was not what you were led to believe by the media. Osama bin Laden's terror group did not train their members to fly into the Twin Towers to quote-unquote attack America just because they hate Americans. The deep state, or the cabal, or whatever you'd like to call it, the, the group in charge across the globe that are trying to usher in a one-world government under Satan, set up 9-11 to draw the United States into a war for the control of oil and, therefore, money, because wars are economic. To understand the dynamics that were at play on 9-11, we have to start with a famous American first family, the Bushes. The Bush family has a long history in politics, beginning with their great-grandfather, Prescott Bush, who was actually a part of an attempted coup against the United States government to oust Franklin D. Roosevelt. FDR confiscated Prescott Bush's businesses and his bank accounts once this coup was discovered because Bush and his partners were actually funding the Nazis during World War II. Prescott Bush's son, George H.W. Bush, started his career in the oil industry. He became a Texas congressman, a national chairman of the Republican National Committee, ambassador to the UN, and special envoy to China. We'll call him Bush 41 because he is our 41st president. Bush 41 became the director of the CIA from 1976 to 1977. Remember that. That'll be important in the upcoming uh, explanation of 9-11. He was also Reagan's vice president in 1981, and then he became our 41st president in 1986. Prescott Bush, Bush 41, and George W., which we'll call Bush 43, also attended Yale, 
where they were all members of Skull and Bones, a secret society which has produced many powerful rich figures in American society. Go Google Skull and Bones and you will see the list of movers and shakers in the United States who were a part of that society. In the late 1970s, George W. Bush started a series of limited partnerships. They were oil exploration companies called Airbusto. Airbusto in Spanish means Bush. One of Bush 43, so that's George W., one of Bush 43's earliest financial investors in Airbusto was a man named James Bath. He was a Houston aircraft broker. Salim bin Laden, this is the brother of Osama bin Laden, and I want to note here, bin Laden has like 25 brothers. There's a ton of them. So this is one of them. Salim bin Laden appointed James Bath, the aircraft broker, to represent him exclusively in regards to his U.S.-based investments, where Salim bin Laden would invest into Bush 43's Airbusto Oil Company. James Bath also managed a portfolio for Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz, one of the largest stockholders in the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI, and the brother-in-law of Osama bin Laden. So Sheikh Khalid bin Mahfouz is also bin Laden's brother-in-law. BCCI, the bank, was eventually ousted in a scandal as a dark money global banking empire. It funded many crime cartels, drug smugglers, and terrorists across the globe. The BCCI scandal embroiled many big names in Washington, D.C. as money from the bank was used to influence American politicians. BCCI was investigated by none other than Robert Mueller, who has been accused of shielding the Bushes from exposing their connections with the Saudis and Saudi money, as Bush 43's business partner Mahfouz was one of BCCI's largest stockholders. As far as our Busto goes, it would change names, fail, and then merge with another company, and it finally folded into a company called Harkin Energy Corporation. In 1990, Bush 43 used his ties to the White House to gain a deal for Harkin with the government of Bahrain. Eventually, Bush 43 was accused of insider trading as he sold 212,000 shares of Harkin just two months before Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, which insinuated that Bush 43 had been tipped off by the upcoming invasion by his father, the president. You know Robert Mueller as the nefarious player of the Russian hoax against President Trump. But this guy is way more deeply entrenched into American politics than you might have imagined. In the early 90s, Bush 41 appointed Robert Mueller as the chief of the criminal division in the Justice Department, where he directly oversaw the Financial Crime Enforcement Network. The Financial Crime Enforcement Network investigated a civil suit between a property developer, Bill White, and his then-partner, James Bath, who was the man who represented Salim bin Laden in his investments with the Bushes, as well as the BCCI scandal. Let's fast forward one decade. On September 4th, 2001, Robert Mueller was appointed the director of the FBI. Yes, one week before 9-11, 
Robert Mueller, was installed as the new FBI director. He did not have a swearing-in ceremony. There was no press. There were no cameras. Nothing. A private installation. In his first four days as the director of the FBI, one week before 9-11, Robert Mueller overturned the entire counterterrorism squad, including reshuffling the FBI task force agent who was the leading expert on all things Osama bin Laden, John O'Neill, to become the head of security at the World Trade Center. John O'Neill, the expert on bin Laden, died in the towers. Robert Mueller was also responsible for the 9-11 crime scene, but unfortunately, he didn't retain, analyze, or catalog evidence in the way that any reasonable person would imagine that the largest crime scene in history should be cataloged. He disposed of large quantities of evidence in the Fresh Kills landfill, where the steel was sorted and sold to the Chinese. In our nation's largest attack on American soil ever, Robert Mueller closed the case within three weeks, and the U.S. declared war on Afghanistan. In comparison, the Mueller report took 674 days, or more comparatively, 96 weeks, 96 weeks for the Mueller report against Trump. In 1976, a study commissioned to the C Battery 2-81st Field Artillery, the U.S. Army, charged the troops to develop a scenario where the World Trade Center towers were hit by commercial airplanes and the hijackers used plastic box cutters to bypass security. Timothy McNiven provided this information in an affidavit for a 2004 RICO lawsuit filed against President Bush. This was in 1976. Who was the Secretary of State in 1976? Donald Rumsfeld. Who was the CIA director in 1976? Bush 41. And who was the Chief of Staff? Dick Cheney. In 1999, North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, as you may be familiar with, conducted a military exercise that involved a hypothetical scenario of hijacked planes flying into both the Pentagon and the World Trade Center. On October 24th through 26, 2000, the military held an exercise rehearsing a response to an airliner crash at the Pentagon. And in May 2001, the DOD medical personnel trained for a scenario of a guided missile in the form of a hijacked 757 airliner being flown into the Pentagon. Now let's talk about Osama bin Laden. Contrary to the official account that Osama bin Laden was responsible for the 9-11 attacks, the FBI never listed 9-11 as one of the terrorist acts for which Osama bin Laden was wanted. It's important for you to know that the bin Laden family is one of the wealthiest, the most well-to-do families in the Middle East. They are extremely powerful, and they are certainly not the cave dwellers that you were taught to believe by the media. These people live lavish, palatial lives, and most of the Bin Laden sons are involved in the family business, the Bin Laden Group, which was formerly Bin Laden Brothers Construction. Additionally, Osama Bin Laden was educated at Oxford in London. Most surprisingly, though, Osama Bin Laden was a CIA asset, and his name with the CIA was Tim Osman. 
who began operating in the 1980s with the Soviet war in Afghanistan and leading up to 9-11. In his later years, bin Laden was on dialysis for extreme kidney failure, where he was treated in the United States. Despite popular theory and Obama's SEAL Team 6 prized kill of someone, but certainly not Osama bin Laden, bin Laden most likely died in December 2001 from kidney failure or a condition stemming from his kidneys. Let's talk about what happened right after 9-11. The FBI assisted at least 160 Saudis who were visiting and living in the United States out of the country on specially chartered flights, while many flights were still grounded for U.S. citizens. Specifically, Osama bin Laden's family members were escorted out of Las Vegas on three separate flights where they had been staying at Caesars Palace and the Four Seasons Hotels. If you don't believe this, Google it. You will find it. Let's shift our focus to the Twin Towers. Marvin P. Bush, George W. Bush's younger brother, was a principal in a company called Securicom that provided security for the World Trade Center, United Airlines, and the Dulles International Airport. Bush's company had an ongoing contract to handle security at the World Trade Center up to the day that the buildings fell down. Now, this is where I want to talk about uh, an organization called the Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, which is a 501c3 organization. These guys have spent years and years cataloging evidence, re-watching films, talking to the most expert engineers in our country, and this is the information that they have put together. Their website is absolutely chalk full of great information, so if you want to know more about the actual towers themselves, go check out their website, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. The Twin Towers destruction exhibited all of the characteristics of destruction by explosives. Here's that evidence. Destruction proceeds through the path of greatest resistance at nearly free fall acceleration, improbable symmetry of debris distribution, extremely rapid onset of destruction, over 100 first responders reported explosions and flashes, multi-ton steel sections were ejected laterally, mid-air pulverization of 90,000 tons of concrete and metal decking, 1,200-foot diameter debris field, there were no pancaked floors found, isolated explosive ejections 20 to 40 stories below demolition front, total building destruction, dismemberment of the steel frame, several tons of molten metal found under all three high-rises, evidence of thermite incendiaries found by FEMA in steel samples, and evidence of explosive found in dust samples. The three high-rises exhibited none of the characteristics of destruction by fire, which would be a slow onset with large visible deformations, asymmetrical collapse, which follows the path of least resistance, evidence of fire temperatures capable of softening steel, and high-rise buildings with much larger, hotter, and longer-lasting fires have never collapsed. Now let's talk about World Trade Center building number seven. Building 7 was a 47-story skyscraper that was a part of the World Trade Center complex. Despite not being hit by an airplane, 
it collapsed at 5.20 p.m. on September 11th in 6.5 seconds at free fall acceleration. Before its collapse, there were two premature announcements of, of its collapse by CNN, which was one hour and 10 minutes ahead of the collapse, and then the BBC, which was 23 minutes ahead of time. The most likely scenario is that World Trade Center Building 7 was brought down by controlled demolition. But why? And this is the big question. Why all of this? Crisis equals control. We've experienced that in our own pandemic that we have been walking through over the past year. And here's how the government took control during this planned crisis. Then Vice President Dick Cheney and John Ashcroft ushered in the 600-page Patriot Act, which they claim they drafted in less than one week, along with providing for the most extensive surveillance legislation ever passed. The Patriot Act includes a ton of fat, including coverage for pharmaceutical companies to be relieved of legal liability for contaminated vaccines in the past, present, and future. We are still dealing with issues stemming from the Patriot Act to this very day. It is the largest government overreach in our history. Dick Cheney had huge plans for extending the power of the executive branch of government. With the 9-11 crisis, he could do just that. If you're interested in learning more about that, look up Cheney and the Continuity of Government, or COG. George W. Bush used 9-11 as a pretext to invade Afghanistan, where Unical, Halliburton, and the Bin Laden group would profit from an oil pipeline built across the country. And here was his personal vendetta. George W. Bush used 9-11 as a pretext to invade Iraq. Saddam Hussein began to sell oil in euros, which posed a threat to the stability of the U.S. dollar. Saddam Hussein was generously supplied with American-made weapons by Bush 41, as long as he kept his mouth shut and didn't rock the boat with the USA. Challenging the dollar was war on George W. Bush. At the direction of Cheney and Rumsfeld, the U.S. invaded Iraq to collect these weapons so that the average American would not discover that we had happily handed them over to a dictator. Now, let me ask you this question. As we are in the middle of this Afghanistan debacle, and we are all seeing the lists of weapons and ammunition and vehicles and aircraft and drones that we have left with the Taliban, does it surprise you to learn that our presidents our, our state departments have supplied dictators with weapons in the past. It shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you at all. This is exactly what happened with George W. Bush. And his search for weapons of mass destruction was an absolute farce, an absolute cover to get us into these wars. Some of this information is really hard to hear especially if you have not researched this stuff before. If you've researched some of it, it's not as shocking. But if you've never researched it, it can feel almost jarring. And I'm so sorry that that is what has to happen for people to wake up. 
for people to actually realize that the government that we have so trusted for so long has not had our best interest at heart. They are very broken people. They are power-hungry, money-hungry, careless individuals. And I think about all of the military families and wives that I've had the pleasure of getting to know in my lifetime. And I think about their sacrifices. And I think about those husbands and wives who never came home. And I think about all those people who died on September 11th. And I think about the people who were responsible. And it makes me sick. The only way that this won't happen again is for us to wake up. We have to become aware of what's happening. We have to become aware of the lies that we've been fed. We have to become aware of the ways of our government. Because unless we do, they have zero accountability. We have watched our country roll over and take it this year. And for anyone, especially any one of you who has said, be better, just do it, you need to repent because that is wrong. We are being conditioned right now that free thought is immoral and that is so jacked up. Since when has free thought been a bad thing? You have to believe that the Lord is going to lead you into truth. And as long as you are yielding yourself to him and yielding your heart and your mind and your spirit to him and asking him to lead you into truth, and you start digging and discovering things and praying about it, there is a knowing that will come to your spirit that is absolutely unshakable. And that is where I stand with this stuff right now. I, you cannot convince me otherwise that the information that I found in this research is wrong because once your eyes are opened, it's like seeing the wizard behind the curtain. You start to see who's pulling the levers and you start to see the global connections and it just, it blows it up. It blows it up for you in every other situation. It makes everything that we've walked through over this past year make so much more sense. So where do you go from here? I would ask you to start researching this stuff on your own. If you've never dove into this information, start looking it up for yourself. I've had a pastor in the past who would say, don't take my word for it. Open the Bible and look for yourself. I would say the same thing about this. Get online and start looking for yourself. When you do your research, of course, you'll, you, you look at it with a lens of discernment and you have to go to websites and say, okay, does this person sound like, I don't, does this person sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist or is this stuff well-researched, well-linked? Can you find the sources? And, and yeah, they do. They provide sources. The good ones, they provide sources. The hard part is believing that the media and the government would be lying to you and that you have to, you really have to let that go. 
You really have to let go of the fact that the institutions that you've put your trust in haven't had your best interest at heart and that you can't always believe what you read coming from mainstream media. You've got to get, you've got to, you got to get nasty. You got to get dirty. You got to start digging and, and you have to be okay with not, um, being liked by your friends and family when you start finding this stuff, because it's not popular. There's nothing fun or, or fuzzy or warm about discovering this stuff. But what it does is it lights an absolute fire under your ass. Like you, once you start learning this stuff, you can't stop. You don't stop. Every news show you watch, every article you read, you start reading with a lens of what's their angle? What, what's the angle here? What's the point? Um, so that's what I want you to do. Take this and research it yourself and then start to take a stand however you can. As warriors for the Lord, we all have a part to play in this battle. Mine is this. Mine is to learn and educate you so that you are equipped in your own personal life with truth and to, be, to best make decisions for your own family, to be prepared for whatever comes our way, to know how to pray, to know what to believe. But God has a plan for you in this as well. Maybe you are a nurse and maybe God's take, calling you to take a stand with your leadership at your hospital. Maybe you have little kids in school and you are being forced to send your kids to school in masks and God wants you to take a stand with your school. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you're on staff at a church somewhere. Maybe the the leadership of your church has been a little delicate about addressing these difficult topics, and you know that the church needs to take a stand right now. Maybe you need to be the one who says, this is enough. It's time for the church to take her place. I don't know what it is for you, but we each have something, and God will give you direction. You have a plan and a purpose in this, in this war, you are his mouthpiece and he will fill your mouth. I promise. I promise he will. Thanks for tuning in to the Mead feed today. If you would like more of Whitney Mead in your life, come check me out on Instagram. My handle is at Whitney Mead. You can also find me at WhitneyMead.com on YouTube at Whitney Mead and join my free seven day video devotional series, the seven day kickstart. If you want to get closer to the Lord and give yourself like a kickstart in your mind, body, and spirit, this is the free e-course for you. Join for free today at seven day kickstart.org. Until next time, Mead Feed out.